Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop games that exist today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on, and it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, I have said this a couple times recently, but this is one of those excellent episodes that hits all three of those uh, resin d'atra for this show. Pardon my pronunciation. We are going to talk about a game that I love playing and have not played nearly enough of recently, and I'm working on that. I've actually been painting a lot of models. We're going to talk about uh, an industry event because it is changing the way this game is sold and the way this game is presented moving forward uh, to make it even more accessible for all of us in the world. And we are going to talk to one of my favorite indie game designers. There is a man who's been on this show once or twice over the years. A man who has allowed me to put all of my favorite things on the tabletop, be it characters, monsters, vehicles, scenarios, literally the sandbox game is what we are talking about today. One of my favorite games to play and one of my favorite individuals to talk to. We are talking to Carl from Crooked Dice about 7TV. Carl, welcome back to Cast Dice. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Mate, it is a pleasure. A day that I get to talk to you means we are one day closer to 7TV 80s. And I'm never going to let that go. I'm just letting you know. Not far now. Not long to go. Well, we knew there was a hurdle before we got to 7TV 80s. And today is that glorious, wonderful hurdle. And when I say hurdle, it's not one of those hurdles that you're going to trip and fall on if you're a gamer and like, oh, I have to painfully go through this we are getting a really cool new way to play seven tv it's still seven tv second ed let me not let me be clear we are not talking a new edition of the game however we are going to get into what this seven tv seven tv rule book is all about but before we get into that the, the more recent times you've been on, we've been talking to the lovely folks at Edge Hill. We've been talking to students. We've been talking about specific, you know, genre packs that we've been putting out for the game. But we never actually talk to you, Carl. Um, I mean, we've talked about the history of Crooked Dice. We've talked about the history of 7TV. But you've had some big things going on in your life recently. Namely, you just came back from the UK's premier gaming convention. How was Salute? Salute was amazing. Um, it was back on form. There was there was people, there was energy. It just felt like it was kind of back to, to good old Salute after, you know, two or three tough years with uh, with, uh, with everything that's been going on in the world. So, um, yeah, it was amazing. It was as ever. Everybody says this, uh, and there were much, much worse jobs to have. But, you know, lots of prep goes into it for all of those traders kind of getting ready because um, it's two or three times bigger than any of our other kind of standing standard wargaming shows in the UK. I think the UK Gaming Expo, which is much broader, 
is um is probably the only the only bigger one but for dedicated war gamers salute is the uh is the one so 130 plus traders some amazing um demo and participation games none of which i got to see um i've, I've like everybody else <laughs> lived lived precariously through facebook afterwards going that's amazing i wish i'd got off the stand for 10 minutes to be able to see it uh, but it was it was great. Eight and a half thousand people. Um, I heard through the uh, through the door, uh, and it felt like it. We were we were super busy, and from everything I hear from other traders, they were they were exactly the same. So um, yeah, Team Crooked were were amazing and stood on their feet all day. And a call out to, to Morgan and David as well for running a couple of the uh, the little participation games that we that we ran. It was a, it's a, it's a great great day. And I was going to say, it wasn't just a shop. You actually had games going as well. So what were some of the participation games that people could have played at Salute that people might have seen when they walked by? Okay, we always kind of like to do this just to kind of give something back to kind of all of the people that kind of support us and put on a couple of quick play games, really. it's Salute is largely a kind of a shopping uh, event. You know, you can, you can look and drool at, at those other games. <laughs> uh, so we just do quick play ones which um in theory should be about 45 minutes but um uh, pete and adrian who played first of all i think were on there for about an hour and a half uh were on our lurkers from the deep board so um i took the lurkers from the deep feature pack and kind of distilled it down into one 45 minute game with as many of the elements that i could um fit in as possible um so we used the lovely sarissa buildings and our, our range for that um and then we had a classic 70v fantasy one that we often have in there, which is good escape from Nottingham Castle with our new Robin Hood um, miniature range. So they were packed all day. Oh, those new miniatures for the Robin Hood range are magnifique. I mean, you. you have always put out some exceptional miniatures. And I, I, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I am not a shill. This man does not pay me. <laughs> However, I am, I adore the work that he commissions for his company. And um, the fantasy stuff in particular that you've been doing recently, outrageously good. And the 80 stuff is in my book, perfection. And we'll talk about the 80 stuff in a second, but yeah, that Robin hood stuff is wonderful. Yeah. As a, um, a shout out to, uh, to Mark Evans, who is just wonderful. We've worked with Mark right from day one. He did the scientists, right. You know, 14 years ago or whatever it was. Um, and he's just great to work with and he just creates wonderful characters and and, and moments um with all of those so I'm, I'm delighted with those i wanted to do those for a long long time but you know my kind of wish list it's on a roll now it's 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 that long um, yes so. yes it is thanks a while to get to some things well before we actually start digging into kickstarters both past and present because for you it's the end of a wonderful era of the last kickstarter ending and because you don't run two simultaneously, you are always fastidious about, I'm not starting one until another one's done. And I respect that more than I can say in words. But let's talk about the game itself, because often when we have people on to talk about these things, we don't actually talk about the games that they play. Now, I realize I have worked in the gaming industry, and when I did, I did not get to play and paint as much as I wish I did, um, or even close to as much as I do now. But when you do get to play 7TV, there are so many different genres you can play into. There are so many different casts you can run. What are some of the ones that you've been running recently? Or should I say you've been wanting to run recently? 
Yeah, yeah. The great shame is that cricket keeps me quite busy, which means I don't get to play as much as I, I, I like. If anything, I'm normally kind of refing or you know, or helping people out if they if they play. Um, it almost it's weird for because the way that I plan my games either starts with being inspired by some terrain that I've seen or that I want or want to build or some minis that either I've kind of got in my collection or I just want to get that weird thing on the on the table um so I always kind of start from there I kind of qu quite like the challenge of building a game um Lurkers was a little bit like that even the ones that we plan out for fun of the shows that's kind of where I start and then work out which I know is a bit backwards but it's um but that's kind of what I do but I don't know the game's People often joke that in all of the rule sets, there's always cultists in every single set. That I always there's always a cultist profile, and I'm always drawn towards that slightly supernatural horror, Lovecraftian sometimes kind of element in things. You can have, you know, insane leaders, mad cultists chuck a couple of good monsters in there all the developments you know what they'll i say in all of the games is give me more monsters when i say it's sydney baron that's saying that it's not it's me saying that every time um so yeah I, those are the kind of things that i'm usually drawn to um even when we did a scooby-doo um style game for salute once i still put cultists in it um because you know you want to so that, that's the sort of that's what i'm normally drawn to as a cast um and it's probably reflected now. We did it with eighties, and we brought it into the into the core world. But we've got kind of a horror genre um, uh, for that, so that's reflected a little bit more um, things. But you've seen it in all of the sets, one way or the other. There's a weird unknown thing, or a weird menace, or something. Always try to get that in. Yeah, I gotta say, um, during the lockdown, when I was painting up some seven TV models to play. Um, when things eventually lifted, one of the very first things after flipping through a number of the seven TV core games, I was looking at what were some common characters that I could have across and went yeah. cultists. So I actually painted cultists, which is why I was yeah. laughing. So, uh, yeah. And I've seen people posting online that, hmm, I seem to use the same cultist models in almost every game I play. Now, that's a choice. But uh, there are lots of other casts you can play. But yes, the cultists are a thing in this game. They're quite versatile models as well. I've got some new ones coming out actually. Uh, for uh, so uh, yes, that'll. Uh, there's another set. I I'd probably never stop doing cultists. <laughs> well, you know, cast of thousands, right? All of whom exactly. are wearing yeah, exactly. a of some variety and hiding. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right on. Um, well. I do have to also ask because you have put out some exceptional models recently. Uh, I may have gotten a certain eighties investigator that lives in Hawaii and drives a Ferrari recently in the Excellent. mail. I may have gotten a small uh, Asian sidekick model with a baseball bat yeah. um, who helps uh, free the children from the mine under the thuggy rule Doom's Temple, let's call it. Yes, Doom's Temple. There you go. Uh, I may have just finished painting a certain super spy and a giant metal toothed henchman and Excellent. a megalomaniac who wants to send rockets into space and um, uh, live in a space station as he destroys the world. There are many wonderful models that Thank you've you. either put out recently or I've painted recently. And it does make me wonder... What are some of your favorites that you've been putting out either recently or in general? I know the cultists. I get that. 
But playing's one thing and seeing a beautiful model is another. Do you have any that run out and grab you? My personal recent fave that I painted of yours was a futuristic robotic police officer with a yes. very large gun. Yeah, yeah. That that's good. I um okay, so my kind of my favorite miniature that we've got is the most recent one that pops into my mailbox that uh, that I get out. And then my next favorite one is the next one that pops into my um that's kind of how it works. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'll do another one. Um there there are there are lots. I mean, just on that, the um the the military robot that would go with that robotic um mm -hmm is amazing that's james sheriff and that's all hand sculpted i mean there's a few people who, i thought that's a kind of a digital sculpt but no he, he's mr robot uh he's uh is yeah, he's james and he's he's amazing that's great um for me it'll be pose sometimes i you know when we're kind of commissioning people i'll say to this can we try and get that weight in the shoulders and in the knees so that you can see that dynamism and that movement in it i want someone to look at it and know exactly what that moment is that we've captured and what the next what the next movement is going to be you yeah. know kev white does that beautifully oh um, yeah he does mark evans who worked with it does that fantastically ernst is is amazing it's kind of uh, all things but um yeah i don't know and we've got such a range of different kind of sculptors as, as well it was you know hopefully they look like they're all in the same wheelhouse but there's different styles in there that I like Ian Colwell that we've worked with on all of the in um, the lurkers from the deep range, the fish folk in there. Mm -hmm. I, you know, honestly, I think I've said this before. I could just do all of those fish folk all of the day, all of the time, uh, and I'd be quite happy to do that as as a range because they're they're just wonderful. Uh, yeah. It's character and movement. Um, some of the very early things in the um, time with uh, security that Ian Mountain did mm -hmm. for like, running forward with a with a gun, and it's just it's just wonderful and you know wonderfully dynamic. So, um, anything that captures those is going to be my next favorite, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've actually bought a bunch of those to use for my GI Joe project, and I've used some of those, uh, and then puttied over the top and added gear to match the characters from the series because, as you say, they do have that wonderful sense of movement, and it really does add variety to the force. So it, I do recommend folks, if you are looking for, you know, a model that, you know, you might have to do a little converting. There are some great crooked poses that you can just do a little tweak at that metal tooth bond villain that I was talking about earlier. The fact that he's sort of coming over the top with both hands raised and he's such a monstrous model just to literally put him next to my super spy. I'm, yeah. I actually start getting worried. I'm like, Oh no. Yeah, no, that uh, that particular uh, henchman, um, we is he too big? He's too big, isn't he? Compared, he to is. And then, and then we looked at some some inspirational photograph. I went, no, he ain't. He is perfect. He really is that big. Wow. Um, so yeah, um, that that's a great. Again, that's that's Ernst, and you know, working as but we're we're fairly confident now with the tolerances on those things. But you know, outstretched fingers. It's not always the friend of the caster, uh, but we've managed no. to kind of. Um, We've learned a lot over the last kind of 14 years and we can kind of get that get that working for us now to do what we want so yeah right on well let's let's get into it shall we because i know i'm gonna get i'm gonna get in trouble if i don't start actually talking about why we are here today which is seven tv the core rule book now you might say 
Brad, this is this game's been out for a while. It has. We're well into a second edition. However, what's happened previously where there were edition boxes, uh, not edition boxes. Um, Carl, I'll let you explain this because um, you'll explain the genre better than I do. Yeah, I mean, it's been eight years and four box sets since we released the original Seven TV, which was Inch High Spy Fire. And that was just taking our first edition um, and just updating that and, and kind of fleshing it out with all the accessories and things that you that you needed. And honestly, when we started that, we didn't think we'd be doing four boxes in eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's... It's got to the to the point with the way the world has been um, in the last two or three years with kind of rising costs that the cost of those boxes has, has jumped quite considerably each time we've kind of produced it. Yeah. It's getting to the point where we couldn't keep the older versions in print and continue to to kind of produce um, new ones because of the um, because because of the cost. So there, there was. A practical consideration was well people keep asking me when can i get apocalypse again and i i'm kind of putting them on i'm i'm holding them you know air kind of going well we'll try and get back to it when, when we can also with those four box sets people were kind of asking so so what do i need to play and we will say well it depends on the type of game that you want if you want to kind of action adventure 60 70s thing then inch i spy fire is great mad max will give you apocalypse uh, fantasy is pretty self-explanatory and pulp. You know, it depends what you want, uh, what you want to game. Um, but it was clearly starting to fragment a little bit with people getting a, a little bit confused. So um, between that and when um, I think the real crunch was when we did some TV Dracula, we wrote that for fantasy and then sold out of the box. And it was like, oh, no, oh, no, we've got something coming up and we can't support it with, with something. So um I kind of pivoted slightly and said, okay, with this, we'll do a dedicated small rule book and for it, which just distills all the stuff you need for Dracula just to be able to play that. And in doing that and kind of laying that out, it was like, actually, this is this really kind of works as, as a as a manual, which essentially is all those rule books are. It's a, it's a it's it was it was it was quite a good format. Um so I kind of made a decision, okay, what we need to do is just consolidate everything that we've got there into one place. We can keep that in, in print as the core. People can then buy the individual, what we're going to call genre packs, slightly under, underneath it for the theme that they want. And we can, this and this was the other key thing, we could kind of keep the price point around where we are rather than you buying a box every time. The core rules being repeated in that, that seems slightly unfair. You know, when you're buying content if you're a core MTV gamer, you're repeating a lot of that stuff each time. That didn't really seem like cricket. Um, so buy one book to rule them all and one set of kind of templates in there and then buy the other bits uh, at uh, kind of lower price points later on. So there were there were a lot of factors that kind of poured into doing making the kind of decision to move over to it, um, particularly with the change between first edition to second edition to so from a book to, you know, we were kind of rolling back slightly. But I think from a business point of view, from a customer point of view, um, and from a kind of mechanical point of view, because we learned quite a lot since we did Inch Ice by Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've added extra things in. We've clarified a few bits and pieces. Other supplements and stuff have got rules, which we think you could include those. They're quite good, but they're not. Mm-hmm. So we've wrapped all of that up. 
and consolidated all of those things into hopefully a kind of a, a definitive, what we're calling a revised edition, because I really don't want to um, give the impression that it's kind of a, a third um, edition. But there's some new stuff in there for the kind of the more veteran player, if you want to, so that, as we've always said, we said to it, it's a bit like Lego. You can keep building and adding stuff to it, depending on, you know, the complexity of the games that, that you want. So, so yeah, that's kind of where we where we ended up. But hopefully, it's something that's going to be useful for kind of older players. Um, a lot of people have said oh, it'd be really good if we could just have this in one place, you know, to start off with. But also be hopefully a nice jumping on point for new people who said, "Oh, I've been meaning to get into this, but I don't know what to get." Um, so, um, with that in mind, and with the core wall, but we've kind of expanded things out so there are now six quite cinematic genres which are broader than just the more themed stuff that you used to get in one of the box sets you know we do themed pulp genres mm -hmm. but now we've got action adventure fantasy historical horror and sci-fi um so that's that's quite broad we've gone for kind of the real kind of meta categories that you uh, that you would probably see as you were walking through an old video shop you know, exactly. <laughs> for those of uh, those of us of a certain age, <laughs> I do want to I do want to call out a couple of things you said there because there's a lot of really important information that you just laid out as to why this book is there. And there's a couple of points I want to draw an underline under. You said it was a little book. <laughs> mm, it's over 250 pages, Carl. This is not a little book. Um, it is a significant tome. But what's really clever is. Um, from having spoken to you off air and um, having seen a couple of things, I'm I'm gonna let a little cat out of the bag here. In that, when you got the boxes in the past, they came with stacks of cards that you would play. Um, you would have, you know, depending on which genre box. Of course, you have the countdown deck that goes that basically plays out how long you have for the the game, and it. You know, each time you flip it, something interesting happens on the tabletop. And we'll talk about more of that in a second. What you've done here, because this is a standalone book and you're sending it without cards. Yes, you can get the cards. That's one of the add-ons. Um, but you've done it so that you, even if you just have a standard deck of cards, you can play using this book without having to buy anything else. You've also included a lot of the character profiles so that they're really easy to pick up. You can photocopy them out of the back. If you have the book and you don't have anything else and you want to play, have those character cards on the tabletop, bang, it's all there in the book. The book is really well put together and is standalone without needing to buy all the extra things. Now, don't get me wrong. I own all four seven TV boxes and I love to have all the character cards. Um, it's like a Pokemon, the world's worst Pokemon game. I have to have them all. Um, I have the, uh, the, 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 the creature deck. I have all of the cards I can get my grubby paws on and I love it, but you don't need those because this, this particular edition, as you said, is a great place to jump in. If you are starting with seven TV or if you, because as you said before, a lot of the seven TV boxes had something new and interesting in each one. They brought something rules wise, something different and fresh each time you innovate every time you put out one of these boxes. Otherwise it would just be the same thing with a different pretty cover. This book sort of brings it all together in a way that is 
really pleasing. And for those of us who have all of your boxes, it really makes it easy to go, oh yes, it's all here. And if I want to dig in, I can go in these directions with genre boxes, for example. But this book really does bring it all together. One of the things that I get asked all the time is what is 7TV? Because people hear the name and they go, that's a tabletop game. And I know we've said it on this show about a thousand times, but we're going to say it again because it is one of those games that when I explain it to people, you often get the, wait, what? Oh, oh yeah, that's cool. What? That's usually the, uh, the, the pitch for this game. Yeah. This game allows you to recreate your favorite cinematic scenes on the tabletop. It turns any miniature you have or any genre or any intellectual property or any movie or any TV show or any comic book or any idea. It allows you to pull it in and put it on the tabletop and act out an episode of a circa 1970s, 80s, 90s, whatever TV show or movie on the tabletop. So you can have anything happening. Um, you're, it is the ultimate sandbox game is what I've called it in the past because you can bring anything to play in the sandbox. It's You can literally pull all the toys out of your toy box and put it on the table and have a good time with it. But it isn't just a miniature agnostic game because you're playing out an episode of a TV show. And so the structure of that is how the game functions. There's a first act, a second act, and a third act. And it really does make for an interesting and different gaming experience. For those who haven't tried it, it is, I think, my favorite skirmish game by a country mile. And it has so many interesting and different rules in the way that it's laid out that it it is super clever. Um, Carl, I know I've thrown a lot out there. Can you maybe more succinctly say what is 7TV and why should people look at it? Okay. It's a fast, fun, cinematic skirmish game is how we, we try to uh, um, sum it up. Six to eight models, uh, very quick for you to build your sides and a huge range, and probably this is the key thing, of archetypes. So you could have, we've now got a secret spy. So your secret spy could be, you may love James Bond or Austin Powers or Jason Bourne or whatever it might be. You decide what that archetype is to post on the, the kind of the tone of the game that you would like to do or the miniature that you might have available or your favorite scene uh, or movie series or whatever it might be. Um, it allows you to do that because of the breadth of what we've got. Um, but it's it's essentially a, a small scale skirmish game filtered through the lens of kind of cinematic tropes um, and things. So we've taken a lot of um, uh, the kind of familiar terms that you've got, like rather than uh, heroes, champions and, and troops, you've got stars, co-stars and extras. Um, the turn sequence, uh, depending on the game that you're playing, uh, we use as uh, now script cards is the, is the standard that we're using for um, in, in the core rulebook. Um, you're able to use prop cards, which are one-off kind of buff. You might call them magic items in another game or something like that that you can, that you can use as well. Um, when your uh, cast is, or it has to test to be defeated, they're, they're axed. 
they're not killed you know in the good way of all of those tv shows no one dies they just get blown up and, and fly over and land in a pile of boxes so we take all of those kind of cinematic tropes that hopefully people kind of um enjoy and try to feed them into into the uh, into the game um it doesn't take itself too seriously it's intentionally kind of um uh, uh written like that so um, there's lots of in jokes and Easter eggs in there for the film buff. Uh, if you want to find them, some of them are just for about three people of my very close friends that have uh, that, that know that particular gag. I, I'm not mm -hmm. I'm, I'm terrible for that, uh, but there's 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 lots of those on there. But the system itself is fun. It's a traditional you go I go system, but there's some nice little extra tactical things that that you can uh, you can do with the use of again another cinematic term plot points which your cast that's your squad models uh, generate each turn and that gives you tactical options about whether you activate your models whether you use those plot points to improve your chances of um, hitting your opponent or defending against your opponent or powering some of the extra things like those prop cards that I, that I talked about earlier, you know, gadgets or magic items, whatever mm -hmm. they might be props, um, or some of the abilities that your that particular profile might have, um, which are called special effects. Um, so um, there's those plot points are the lifeblood of the game, um, and you have a lot of options that you can do rather than just your kind of more traditional kind of just two actions move shoot move move whatever it might be as well there's there's a little bit more going on um which i think makes for makes things a little different for, uh, in 7tv yeah that's right and you have as you said you have your cast is led by a star you could have a heroic star you could have a villainous star you could have a neutral uh can you have a neutral star we don't have neutral stars in there but we've done them in the past there's no reason why you can't yeah um and each one of those um, will fit into one of the genres that Carl was talking about earlier. Um, of course, those genres are, Carl? Uh, the genres that we've got for the cover book are action. So that is um, kind of martial arts uh, movies and uh, cop movies, that kind of thing. Uh, then we've got adventure, which is our more kind of pulpy, swashbuckling kind of uh, side of things. Uh, fantasy, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, historical, so if you want to do Robin Hood or King Arthur or whatever it might be, uh, uh, or kind of um, war movie epics, you can kind of do uh, do that thing. Uh, horror, which has kind of, again, been in most of the, the, the other sets, but if you want to do kind of slasher movies or, um, you know, that kind of cabin in the woods, that kind of thing. Uh, and then you, also do, you could also do Scooby-Doo for that. I mean, you mentioned uh, that earlier. That's horror yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely yes i mean we're, we're broad with how we kind of use those and we encourage people to kind of stretch that as much as they want to uh and then the final one is sci-fi um so uh, again that, that all of these are quite broad churches that, that's the point um and particularly with the coral but we wanted to make them span you know the breadth of largely action cinema you know there's not romance films in there and that kind of thing because there's there's not there's not as many guns in the in in when harry met sally to be fair i've noticed and um, so it doesn't work quite as well um but uh you know we're for, for your action adventure kind of thing there's there's a there's a broad broad set that you can that you can pick from so but uh, you do mention guns and of course the martial arts and the fighting as a traditional miniature war game it's in the title you're often going to get that 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 action element 
But one of the things I really like about 7TV is it goes beyond that. If, for example, we think of the daring rebel, her, uh, heroic co-star, um, yeah. she has two abilities just on the front of her card, not even including all of the different things on the back of her card that she can spend plot points or the ability she has. Just two of her quote-unquote attacks aren't actual attacks at all. One is a stall for time, which does no damage if you can pull it off, but immobilizes the person that she's talking to. Or intense negotiations, which again, does no damage and distracts somebody, which has an effect in the game. So there, there is a lot of strategy to this game. Um, I know, for example, I was playing a game of this with our good friend Dave Monroe. I was bringing my visitors from uh, a certain TV show from the 80s. Um, aliens in red you know, suit jackboots trying to take over the world, pull off the faces and having lizards underneath, that kind of thing. And he was playing um, resistance fighters. And I was cleaning his clock until he happened to read one of the rules on my card, which says that he could spend a plot point to have one of my characters backstab. And one of my characters was standing next to the guy that he was trying to assassinate and my, and apparently there was a fifth columnist who just pulled out his pistol Always. care of the guy next to him. And Dave won the game. And I felt like a fool for putting my guy with a gun next to <laughs> the objective. But these the, things happen. Seven TV. The, um, uh, the star it was wonderful. It was a great game. We had a blast. It's, I mean, we found over the last four minutes, the game swings backwards and forwards between each person's turn. And more often than not, you know, it comes down to that final climatic, uh, climactic last couple of turns. And it could go either mm -hmm. way at that point. And that's the kind of game that I, 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 I like to play where you both feel like you've got a good winning chance. Now, occasionally someone will bring a knife to a gunfight, you know, <laughs> and we'll get, and we'll get out. But... Um, the game itself is kind of structured to 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 do that with the way that the kind of turn sequence works uh, as well, um, and those star qualities and uh, special effects. You know, we've got things that sometimes only happen in certain acts, for example, mm -hmm. uh, to limit it. So there's a um, there's a huge amount of uh, time that goes into kind of getting those special effects right and making sure that the kind of the naming of them as well has kind of got a little kind of cinematic nod and wink to to, to something um, as well as much as what kind of the outcome of the actual effect um, is just to try and get all of that tone as, as much as we can into what is a kind of a, um, just a kind of core skirmish game. So we spend quite a bit of time trying to get that right. Well, one of the examples, and I know we talked about it, I'm going to say it again because you brought it up. Um, Scooby-Doo is one of my favorite examples for this game when talking about different casts put down because I have the models and I can't wait to put them on the tabletop to play this, but they don't have combat abilities. You know, Fred isn't toting an M 16 shaggy isn't having a shotgun. You know, Thelma doesn't have a chainsaw. That isn't how this works. They have abilities to solve crimes and to figure out, to find clues on the tabletop. And they have, they're just as viable to win a game, even if they're fighting against, you know, the bad guys from Mad Max. Uh, in uh, a particular scenario yeah we've tried to balance things out so it you know it's not it, it's not the person with the biggest gun it's not the kind of games that i like it may be something about kind of growing up with british tv where you know the we just weren't it just weren't 
ranged weapons basically and there we you know we clamored after a war movie or an exciting us show where they're all shooting at one another uh, but we didn't have it so um and it's not the kind of game that i that i've ever really played you know it's uh, that's that's not what i'm uh, i'm in it for so um yeah we've tried to build that in something that is now going to be standard across the forthcoming genre sets and some of the old ones um is the presence attack it's something that we introduced in fantasy it's on the the card for the agent card in front of you now the flash the badge one that little symbol means it's a presence attack and that means that a lot of those models that don't have kind of standard ranged attacks so they just don't have you know a handgun or something like that, they can still do some ranged damage it was kind of essential for fantasy because there just weren't as many of them you know it's uh, it was a much more melee based game um but actually, it's something that people really enjoyed. It was we could get more tone in, but also it helped to kind of balance forces off. Now, not everybody's got them. We only kind of do it where we think it's appropriate to the to the model. But it's um, they're quite fun, and we built in in the background more mechanics, like more statuses, like the captured weakened that you've got on there, and the immobilized and the distracted. And there's a couple of new ones that we've introduced in the core rule book. Um, uh, scared uh, is a is a new one that we brought in because that's going to be used universally kind of useful for for everything so um you may recognize some of them in slightly different forms from some of the other either genre packs or boxes um but as i say with this one we kind of wanted to filter it and make it a definitive thing so there we've now got 10 statuses and that should cover us for everything now uh which means when we come to do genre packs we won't i don't think we'll really need to be in introducing anymore i think we've covered the lot now now, I did mention we have stars. I did mention we have yes. co-stars. But I didn't mention the other two because there's four big character types in this game. We obviously those two. Then we have the extras who are, you know, the bodies that you often fill up a, a crew with. But there's a lot of different types of extras. Um, of course, we have heroic. We have uh, villainous extras. But we also have things that are called neutral extras that could go either way. Um, and, you know, are a, you know, they generally are a little less heroic or a little grayer in the uh, in between the two. And again, it really does add flavor to the cast that you put on the tabletop and, of course, vehicles. And um, I know there's big griblies in the game, big monsters of different varieties that depending on the uh, the genre you're playing or the scenario. I know sometimes those fall under stars, co-stars, or vehicles, but yes. Um, now, Carl, you did mention plot points before. Now, at the start of each turn, players add up the characters that they have. Their star gives them a certain number of plot points. Their co-star gives them a couple plot points or gives them less plot points. And then if you add up the extras, every two extra gives you a plot point. So you end up having this pool. So 7TV is very much a resource management game because yes, you can use those to activate the characters because plot points can do that. They can also make your die rolls better. So if you desperately need to survive an attack, you can throw plot points in to roll extra dice um, and that will improve your chances of succeeding. Um, some special effects on the backs of cards or props that people have, gadgets, depending on um, how you're going to look at it, they're fueled by plot points. So you'll need plot points to run those. Or if the status is that Carl was talking about a second ago, if you want to get scared off your model, you have to spend plot points. So you can boost your dice in attack. You can boost your dice in defense. 
plot points are huge. And if you don't have any, it feels really bad. <clears throat> so one must really manage that as part of this game. And that's where so many of the tactics in this game come in. Um, it's not quite a game of bad decisions that I've called a couple of other games I've played. Although sometimes it feels like every decision you make towards the end of the turn, when you're running low on plot points and you're trying to save a few for when your opponent goes, you're just going, Oh no, why don't I have more? Um, yeah. Carl, am I getting this right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, also, it's a, it's a diminishing return. The, the number that you generate are the number of active models that you've got in your cast. So as they start, as your you know your opponent starts to whittle down your forces, it's you're you're generating less each turn. So it's it's it ratchets up the tension, um, and it just it just it just makes the whole game are just a little bit more exciting. It just gives you a little bit, a few more tactical options about what you want to do rather than just, oh, what my friend Morgan has said this for years. If you, if you can't do so, it's the dullest thing in a game. If you just, your model just can't do anything. You know, you think you've, you've spent all that time painting and putting the, them together. It's not fun. And fun is a word that I'd say to, you know, all of the developers and things when we're writing in there. It's a key thing. If it ain't fun, it ain't going in. It might work mechanically, but it, but it, it's, it, it, it's, we've got to think of what the kind of player experience is. And it's, and there's nothing like, you know, being stymied because the rules don't let you rather than a decision that you've made. So we've always tried to take that as a um, as, as an ethos when we've been kind of developing various aspects of it. And as we said before, oh, Carl, you're going to have to help me. Um, I, I have the I have like six words for the same cards because it's changed over the years. The <laughs> countdown deck. Yes. Okay. So the um, when we did Inch High Spy Fi, it started yep. off the countdown uh, deck. And we've used that a couple of times. When we did Pulp, we couldn't help ourselves but change the name of it to Cliffhanger because Cliffhanger right. is perfect for it. And then when we did it with Fantasy, we thought, well, Countdown and Cliffhanger don't really work for fantasy stuff. So we adopted a trilogy deck. Um, why I've tried to make a lot of things consistent in the rule book. Um, so in the core rule book, they're going to be called a script deck. That will be the kind of universal meta. And the same with, is a similar thing with gadgets and magic items. We've made those props because I kind of thought, why didn't I call them that first time around? It's one of those annoying things. That's the best word for that. However, when it comes to that countdown deck, I'm going to use the tone kind of trumps um, and, and tropes, trump kind of consistency so within each of the genre boxes that we put out they'll probably still be called countdown cliffhanger mm -hmm. trilogy because it works for that and within your little dedicated set i think that's that's fine but for the core bit if you're not interested in buying those script cards is what they're going to be called now and that's act one act two and uh and and finale are the, the that's that's all exactly the same and all of those when you start flipping those cards again once you run out of Act one, once you run out of act two, once you run out of act three, they run through. And then yep. once act three is done, the game's done. So yes. there aren't a set number of turns in this game because you set the number of cards depending on how big the board you're playing on is. Yep. That's right. Not how many models, how big the board is, which is a very clever little mechanic. 
Um, but it also ties in because you can burn these. You can, if you have all of the objectives, but your opponent's coming up and is going to get them from you, you can be like, oh, okay, I'm going to burn two of these. And it means your opponent actually gets bonus plot points. So you're giving them something, but you're also shortening the game in the process. And there's enough of these that, you know, again, it's that give and take. Oh, are they going to get it back? Will I have time to get it back from them if they take it from me? And it's, again, those bad decisions, those tactical choices that you need to have to make um, that makes the game so great. But each one of those, when they flip, has an effect on the tabletop. And there's a lot of different fun, interesting uh, movie, TV reference, genre reference um, occurrences that can happen. My favorite, of course, is uh, like a set malfunction where something where a, a, a piece of terrain on the table moves or, you know, blows up or, you know, something happens um, where something is undone on the tabletop because there was a script rewrite. There's all sorts of really fun events that happen on the tabletop that, again, just ratchets up the feel of this being an actual episode being filmed. It's, it's good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, we put all of those as um, the, the standard kind of script deck in that core rule book, which will work for any of the games, even if you buy one of the other kind of genre packs, is that they are um, they're very much themed to the production of, of a show just to kind of continue to get that kind of theme in there. So, yes, as you say, set malfunction or, or diva or, you know, um, uh, power cut or whatever they might be. If, uh, there you go. Now, we've mentioned the genre packs. Now, the the genres in the game are not the same as the ones that will be coming out as separate packs later. As I've mentioned ad nauseum and will continue to mention, I cannot wait for seven TV eighties, um, which is in and of itself, its own genre pack. So everything in that box will be themed to the eighties and it will be a VHS size box that will have a expansions like uh, a different countdown deck, for example, um, script deck that you can use for 80s themed games that apply to 80s in particular. There'll be 80s scenarios, there'll be 80s MacGuffins, which are special kind of objectives you can achieve on the tabletop. There's just all sorts of 80s associated things that'll appear with that. There's Inch High Spy Fi will be coming back as its own genre pack for those of you who like, as you said before, the James Bond movies or the Jason Bourne movies. We have the Apocalypse genre pack the fantasy, the pulp, the old boxes are coming back as genre packs. You can use the, the rules and the cards out of the main rule book. You can use the scenarios out of the main rule book. And there are specific scenarios and occurrences that happen on the tabletop for each of the genres that are in the rule book, which I think is a really nice touch. It isn't just one generic set of scenarios. It really does cater out to the type of game you're playing. But these genre packs take that to the next level. Is that right, Carl? That's absolutely right. Yeah, the uh, the core rule book, as I say, is those broad meta um, cinematic categories that you would get. So imagine walking through your video store. Oh, I want to play sci-fi. Oh, I want to watch a sci-fi movie. You go there. Then you look at all of the different types of sci-fi movie. You know, um, whether that be your uh, your space opera or your space horror or your invasion movie or whatever it might be. So 
each of these genre packs that we've got does a much deeper dive um, into a particular era or subject or, or, or genre. Um, and, uh, and and you'll see much more kind of familiar archetypes and, and tropes and things used in, in each one. And each is a little different because each of those eras or genres is a little different. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we just we may approach some mechanics slightly differently um just because that that suits the genre so you can really kind of really feel like you're playing that you know an old cliffhanger serial uh, on or an old 60s or 70s tv show um so yeah you mean 80s tv show because 80s, once yeah. you give me that box you'll be crawl you know prying out of my cold dead hands i'll be <laughs> playing inch high spy fi 80s version i'll be yeah. playing apocalypse in the 80s I'm never giving it up, Carl. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> there's, there's lots and lots and, uh, of good stuff in there. That's all written and, and done. Um, so the original, my original plan was to put that first genre pack in with the core rule book. But actually, it slightly muddied the waters. I think it's better to establish what the core rule book is and then follow up with that. And for all of those people waiting for it, I, I think that will probably be sort of late summer. I'm going to I'm gonna say maybe September October when we bring that out to um uh, to to Kickstarter at the at the latest and there is a ton of new um, miniatures for that uh, as well um so yeah that that'll be a good one uh, and and Helena who has uh, uh, written a, a large portion of this will be pleased because she's been waiting forever for me to bring it out as well so well Carl I have to say that you've been leaking 80s models left right and center in the new release section of your store in anticipation for this and so for example I was painting my Robocop the other day I've been painting things just to match everything up so that when this drops I have casts ready to go because yeah. how sad would it be if I had a toy chest full of crooked dice 80s models and not one of them was painted before this happened. I had that horrible moment in the shower the other day and went, I have got to fix this now. <laughs> There's plenty of choice there. So, Well, let's talk about uh, feature packs because feature packs aren't new. We have had many of these in the past. In fact, I was literally pulling apart my um, not Flash Gordon one last night and um, looking at my Ming the Merciless um, cast trying to figure out what I could put in there to be ready to play some pulp games um, because I do have a, quite a few pulp villains and I was thinking a villain on villain game in an Egyptian yeah. temple would be a lot of fun yep. possibly with a crash spaceship and Ming involved I don't know these are just some ideas I'm having um, feature packs are sort of adventures in and of themselves that take place in that genre am I getting that right essentially it's a scenario pack if you kind of an old RPG terms it's a uh, it's a themed adventure with themed characters and, and a themed story between three and five um episodes um so it's a campaign um we we may do ones in the future which are a bit more kind of anthology based but the ones that we've produced so far um chart heroes or villains because you can play as as either um and your success at the end of a particular episode may give you buffs bonuses for the next one and give to the overall so at the end of those five games you'll be able to say there's an overall kind of winner um uh, uh, of that so um we've done four or five of those um already we've got a lot more that have been waiting in the wings once i made the decision to kind of move to the core rule book we went ah, actually 
obviously we're going to need to then streamline some of these to fit in uh, fit in with with that so there's a quite a few of them that are uh, that are circling and and ready to ready to go so now i've heard you mention some of these in the past but some of these are new and exciting we're talking about the kings of kung fu city martial arts 7 tv hello um manta ray 5 um, which reminds me of those awesome vehicle puppet TV shows uh, on it's, it's different. There. Yeah, yep. Wait until you see our Piranha Craft uh, sculpt. It's very exciting. Oh, loving this. We have Zombie Drill Eaters. Okay. Um, Valley of the Dread. Uh, sorry, Valley of Dread, which is a fantasy pack. And we have The Secrets of Gold City, which looks like a black and white adventure movie from the early days of Hollywood. You want to talk to us a little bit about some of these? Cause they all look amazing and I'm sure they're all going to have their own miniatures to come out with them. Uh, pretty much. Valley of Dreads already out. That was one of our older ones in there, uh, mainly because I haven't got artwork, but we've got a couple of other fantasy ones that are in the, uh, in the workers as well, which we've based around some of the, the miniature lines. Uh, Kings of Kung Fu City. I wrote this, Oh God, <laughs> years ago. Uh, and it's a, it's it's my kind of ode to those beat em up side scrolling button mashing kind of uh, uh, things as well. Uh, I was lucky enough to um, purchase a lot of the Golgo Island miniatures, which has got a large range of um, kind of suitable miniatures. Um, mm -hmm. for so um, that'll be a kind of a a, a beat-em-up one with some slightly different mechanics for allow you to you know to do power-ups and special moves and and, and uh, that kind of thing so that should be quite a lot of fun and we've got um a nice kind of new range of um of, of side moving kind of uh a henchman and, uh, and and fighters for that so that'll be for 80s that's um 80s has got uh, a genre called silicon dream where we start to touch around the edges of a lot of arcade favorites as well. We, try, we, we, um, you know, it is movies, it is TV shows, but essentially it's popular, you know, popular culture stuff. So we've, we've tapped into that a little bit for eighties. So that does that Manta Ray five, um, uh, uh, Manta are a, um, an organization that protects the world's oceans from the evil emperor Poseidon. Um, if I've got the names right, uh, which was written by uh, Glenn Allen, uh, and we've got a load of minis and some vehicles uh, for that. That's a nice little kind of three uh, chapter thing. And we've got some floor plans and various bits and pieces that will work with that. That's probably going to be an inch I spy fire one because it seems the best um, uh, fit. Zombie Drill Eaters is from first edition Zombie TV, which is it's it's a mix of kind of cannibal holocaust and driller killer and it just seems the, the the wonderful selection of three words but it's basically it's a it's a zombie uh one which we've never weirdly never really done for um for apocalypse you know all those profiles were there but we've we've never done we've never done that so that's uh that's written and done as well and secrets of golden city is written by uh dr peter wright from uh edge hill and we've been working on that for a while mm -hmm. when we were trying to figure out the kind of format of what a feature pack might be. It started off as, um, because it was pulp as well, kind of 12 episodes, like a cliffhanger, like a traditional serial will be, but we went, oh no, no, that's, that's way too much. And we crunched and crunched and crunched. Um, and we've got that down, but that's uh, that's that's um, an expedition into Shangri-La. 
um, and, uh, and and whatever our uh, our heroes discover there. And we've also got uh, Return to the Mountains of Madness as well, which we've uh, which we're um, outlining as well. So uh, just wait for some albino penguins, which are already sculpted, and some explorers and things like that. So there's there's lots. This is just a small kind of snapshot of what we've got, but there's easily ten, maybe more than that, that are going on in the uh, that are going on in the background. So. Um, yeah, if you we wrote these to start off with, people, it's a sandbox game as uh, as we've said. But if you're time poor and you just want to go, no, I tell me what to do. <laughs> I want I want to play that game, or I like that particular thing. Pick one of these up, and it's kind of plug and play, really. Um, but it also gives you some really cool, as you say, right out of the bag casts that you can play generic seven TV with, yes. and you know. It, and, and it can give you some cool extra miniatures to put on the tabletop um, as in objectives and MacGuffins that will suit the cast that you are trying to play on the tabletop. As I was saying earlier with my Ming cast, I was like, wow, I have all of it, uh, everything I need right here to do something really cool. Even uh, an STL for a crashed, you know, yeah, rocket ship that is perfect for what I need. For well, this. When these are written, they, um, at the core of kind of seven TV really is when you're building a cast, you build it with ratings. That's you know, mm. it's, just, it's the point system basically. Uh, and there's no reason why you couldn't pick up one of these feature packs, play one of the episodes kind of scenarios in there. As long as you've got the same kind of ratings as it, it suggests, you could field any models. In, you know, have a quick read of it to make sure that there aren't any profiles in there that somehow are affected by special rules. But that's not the, beyond the ken of any wargamer to to adapt um so um yeah these are they have got a cast written for you if that's what you want to play and you like narrative play more than kind of open play um but they should work for anything so that's that's the idea you know we don't care what you play just play really <laughs> i'm suddenly feeling like i need to play the thundercats versus dracula i don't know why just just maybe those are miniatures i have i don't know why <laughs> Let's talk about some of the Kickstarter exclusive miniatures, because one of the things that when you guys put out Kickstarters, one of my favorite things are the new and exciting miniatures. Now, you guys have been, as I said, just leaking new models like a sieve every month in your new release. <laughs> so I was like, what's going to be left? Um, and I was I was wondering what you were going to put out with the book, because the book isn't because the no. book is generic because you are going to be putting out tons of models and miniatures with the genre packs and the features packs coming out. So what's with the basic and what we're getting um, with some of the stretch goals are some very clever TV themed uh, or movie genre theme miniatures, which I think is a nice nod and a wink that you wouldn't necessarily buy otherwise but now that i've seen these i'm like hell yeah i want these i don't know how i'm going to use them but i'm sure i'm i'm going to use them it's um yeah you you you're absolutely right the, um this is not a, this is a rules based kickstarter uh rather when a lot of our other ones are obviously much more um miniature uh heavy but um we know that people like the uh, the the miniatures so we've done a couple of things uh, i've been wanting to do a production team forever we've been talking about it you know 10 years or something ridiculous and we had one older cameraman with a big rostrum mm -hmm. kind of camera. um and we've got a new cameraman for this which isn't uh, will be painted by the time we go live um but these just seemed like a nice kind of meta 
set that we could do to add in if people want to add these to their to their pledges. Uh, I will say the um, the, the famous director uh, that we've got there will be a uh, it will be free to anybody that backs in the first twenty four hours um, over a kind of a, a certain uh, pledge level yeah. um so that'll be that's a that's a 24 hour kind of early bird one and everybody will go will get that and then the other ones you can add on if you like them but the cameraman's really quite cute um yeah. that we've got so um and as well as that we've then given kind of either new players or even some veterans who want to pick up some things some discounted kind of sets of to get them started themed to our new meta genres there you go um so um adventure and fantasy in there and i I've tried to theme it so that you've got a kind of potential star and co-star and a couple of extras. And that's really just playing to the whole kind of ethos of 7TV is that you can play what you want. You've got lots and lots of different extra types that you might be able to put in. And we still want you to theme the cast the way that you want to. So there's uh, there's four heroes, four villains, pretty much in most of those, uh, most of those sets that you can, um, that you can pick out. Some of which, you know, there's a super spy archetype a profile card that you are and a mastermind one that you might have got, but you could, your co-stars are really kind of quite flexible. So you could have those as whatever you want, you know, in this. We're not we're not prescriptive about that. Um, but yeah, action, horror, and and a few other ones, six in total. Well, it with these, almost all of them have your star, your co-star, both your heroic and your villainous, and then you have a couple of extras. Yeah. Um and what that means is that right off the bat, you, depending on the point value of each model, um, we're talking, you know, because a star is typically 10, co-stars are typically five, and extras are, you know, one to three. You know, we're usually talking about 17, 18 points out of 20 to 40 that you would have in your cast on each yeah. side to start with. That's a hell of a good place to start, especially since you're getting the discount. And then all you need to do is add another couple of, you know, characters to taste extra wise um, or a vehicle. And as we say in Australia, Bob's your uncle. You're ready to go on the tabletop. And, you know, these are a great way to get into 7TV or a new genre if you're looking into that. So, yeah, it's great. Uh, and again, it was just trying to get the kind of price point right for, for people as well. So it doesn't feel like it's a massive investment, but they they can get going fairly quickly, I would hope, with, uh, with these. So. Exactly. Well, let's talk about some of the unlocks, because whenever there's a Kickstarter, people want to talk about the unlocks. Now, the, I mean, when we've talked about some of the Kickstarters you've done in the past with all the miniatures and all these other, there's been sort of epic um stretch goals but with this because it's the book and it's you, you everything is an add-on to the book so obviously fifteen thousand dollars is the basic start and that's just it's funded well we're off to the races we have a book and then from there we have things like the pdf the camera operator we have a bookmark ribbon we have the floor manager the status ring STLs, which I cannot wait for, um, printed script deck, um, which are the countdown cards I was talking about earlier, printed genre cards, awesome, boom operator, we have profile card tuck box to keep things safe, which I happen to be a big fan of, oh, yes, I had to make my own for all of the ones I already have. And I'd love <laughs> to have some of these boxes. Um, we have deluxe 
slot points uh, markers for the tabletop and uh, special dice STLs. So again, though, the real focus of this isn't, you know, extravagant new unlocked miniatures so much as it is getting the rule book out so people can play this amazing game. Yes, we've got, I mean, our previous Kickstarters were a much lower kind of funding um, point, but with this, I really want to kind of make sure that it, it needs to be a little bit higher just to cover that kind of print cost. It's a 288 page kind of hardback. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a little bit of a, a, a bigger uh, kind of, funding goal that we've got after um but yeah a, a little mix of uh kind of miniatures and then upgrades to it we've got a few other little things that i'm kind of holding back i've said this to you before i never know how well these things are going to go you know we've got a, we've got a bit of a track record this will be our 13th kickstarter i think mm-hmm. um but uh I, i'm i'm never entirely sure how quickly it's uh it, you know whether we're, we're going to get there or not so we're trying to give a mix of free things and upgrades to, to the book which everybody will get um mm-hmm. and then a, and a few a few minis um and hopefully after that it'll be quite achievable kind of smaller um stretches that we've got so hopefully a bit of a bit of something for everyone um and what we've tried to do is say okay so the things that we've said are kind of all freebies and included in books but if you want a deluxe set of these things like the script deck or the genre cards we're just making additional accessories available to you um just to speed play but it's they were kind of a a nice to have rather than an essential um uh, thing i don't want to feel like we're um you know we're we're, we're cutting people out of what how they can can play with it by putting things that they they have to have that that doesn't seem uh, the right way to do it so i did mention earlier friends let me pull back the curtain a little bit this is brad not show this is just the guy the gamer the guy who plays games like you i get accused often on this show of being some sort of shill who like has people on to talk about things and oh he's always saying good things yes there's enough negativity on the internet i literally do this show because i like to talk about the things that interest me it's it's a side effect of my being an adult with attention deficit disorder i don't make that as a joke i do have attention deficit disorder you might get that from my enthusiasm where i'm going with this though is if somebody's on the show it's it's often well not often it is that i'm a fan of the things that they do i am not a fan of kickstarters in general um, because i think they're often misused by game companies they often promise too much they don't deliver what they don't always deliver on time they don't always deliver the quality however i have backed i think three of carl's kickstarters now they have always come exactly as i expect in the time frame i expect and they are always better than i actually hoped they would be i say that as someone who notoriously avoids Kickstarter. I respect the hell out of Carl in that he will not start another Kickstarter until he is, as he's delivered on the promises of the previous. To me, that says a lot. Now I'm embarrassing Carl to no end by doing this, but Crooked Dice is an independent game company. Carl talks about Crooked being this, that, and the other thing, and it is. But it is a very small company, and he spends a lot of time working on it. He is not a leader of a, a, a faceless, ma- you know, massive minions. 
there's uh, there's a star and a couple co-stars on this particular endeavor. Um, and there are no extras. And when Edge Hill's involved, there's a few volunteers. So friends, um, know that this man has a has a track record for quality. And I don't think I've ever done this on this podcast. This is a podcast. This is a um, Kickstarter. I will 100% be backing and I recommend. So friends, if you've been jaded, if you are jaded, if you've been burned, I understand. I am saying, however, I'm a fan and these are my feelings. Anyway, Carl, I apologize, but I did want to say that. Thank you, sir. That, that's very, very kind. Um, yeah, I've, my background is as a graphic designer and I was in publishing for kind of 20, 25 years in, in the past. So, uh, and it's all publication, uh, publishing is just last minute. It just, it just it is, it is how it is. I make sure that the, the delivery date that we've got we start, you know, start there and work back and make sure that everything is in production. All of those miniatures that you're seeing there have all been, we've got masters of them painted and we can put into production as soon as the uh, the kind of funding goes through. The rule book you've seen now is bland, 95% laid out. I, I think there's a couple of bits of content that we've got to uh, drop into there and get checked. And I want to kind of get that out to the printers Um probably kind of in june so i'm lucky enough that i've got the right kind of skills to be able to kind of understand the production process and how long it takes and we've you know we've been doing it a few years anyway um just with the with the normal stuff so um but yeah i, I don't disagree with the way that you know I, I think kickstarter um should be there to generate or is intended to generate the capital that you need to be able to put some of these things into production um and we're a micro business really and we've, we we wouldn't be able to do it if we didn't use this this kind of model and we're eternally grateful for all the people that have have supported um what we've done over the last um 14 years or so because we're literally standing on the shoulders of giants we, you know we wouldn't um we wouldn't be able to do it with a lot of a lot of help for some very kind of creative and supportive uh, people and and fans as well. So thank thank you very very much. Um, I'm only kind of one half of the uh, the equation. I can put it out there, but I can't do it without without the help of everybody else. So yeah. Well, I'm glad you do because I love thank this you. game and I love the models you put out. Friends, if you have not checked out Crooked Dice Miniatures, you need to do that right now. Uh, go. Check them out because every single time I go through that catalog, the world's most eclectic catalog of miniatures, I find stuff I didn't know I needed and have to buy instantly. Um, I am actually not allowed to go on this website all that often <laughs> because every time I do, I buy stuff. Um, it is the wonderful, oh my God, just so many good things. Carl... Thank you again for coming on. It is always sure. a pleasure to have you, kind sir. When does this Kickstarter kick off? Um, because while this episode will go out about the same time, let's be clear on the exact start time and the exact end time so folks can find the 7TV skirmish rules on Kickstarter. So we will go live on 6 p.m. on Sunday, which I believe is the 31st. Uh, and it'll run for 14 days. So it'll finish two weeks later on the, the Sunday evening, normally around kind of eight o'clock. Uh, and we'll be doing a early bird thing for the first kind of 24 hours, which will get that free director miniature if people want to jump on and, and get that. 
it'll probably go into it as like a paid add-on after that for the people that kind of uh, that miss out because I realise it's it's not always possible. Um, but yeah, just a little kind of incentive for you to kind of jump on board if uh, if people want to. So yeah, two weeks. We don't tend to run them a lot longer than that. No, exactly. And uh, folks, if you are looking for this, remember it's the number seven. TV. Don't type out S E V E N. It's not that. It is the number seven TV. And the company you're looking for is Crooked Dice. Carl, I wish you the very best of luck. Um, you've had such a great track record of funding and blowing through your goals that I I I look forward to seeing that happen again. I look forward to getting this book in my grubby paws because, because you have that pesky rule of making sure that you give everyone what you promise. <laughs> Unfortunately, it means until this book is in my pause, I don't get seven TV eighties. So you knew <laughs> I was going to say it again. Can't wait. Cannot wait. And you're my hero for putting the eighties on the tabletop for the record. Not long to wait. Not long to wait. <sighs> Says the guy who just sits at his miniature collection and waits. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, um, ladies and gentlemen, I have had a lot of people asking about um, whether or not uh, why I've been painting seven TV models again. Well, spoilers, there's a good reason. I've also had a few requests for some other games, all of which are coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, I have been in contact to a number of game companies. I have had people asking if I'm going to talk about Operation Megatron, or sorry, not Operation Megatron Down Under, the big bolt action event that we've put up this week that is now sold out. Yes, I'm sure we will. Um, and there are lots of other bits and pieces that people have been asking. I am back. It is a new term. It is term two in Australia, which is the big report writing term. It's going to be a busy one, but we will have plenty of episodes coming in the near future. I look forward to talking about the games of 7TV I'm playing, um, especially after I get this real book. But I will be playing in the meantime. I've actually been talking with friends. But if you have any feedback about this episode, question for Carl, you, of course you can contact Crooked Dice. If it's a question for me, please go to Cast Dice on Facebook, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you message the page, you're guaranteed response by me. Hi, my name is Brad. Just remember, it might take a few hours because I do occasionally sleep. On that note, um, as our buddy Casey always says, when you are playing the games that we love to play and that we all know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night.